to the Mission North Shore podcast. All right. Thanks, Trip, for that good introduction. Somebody else, when I was out there, they said, Hey, are you talking today? I'm like, Yeah. And they knew because I had a nice shirt on. Um, I'm looking for my Bible. Where did I put my Bible? Okay, anybody see my Bible? I, I, I might need that. I had it. There it is. Sorry. Okay. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus didn't have to deal with all this stuff. Way better back then. Today, we are going to be in the book of Romans, chapter 8. And uh, just a little, I've had the opportunity this week to really read over, especially chapter 8 of the book of Romans. And it's an amazing chapter in an amazing book. And a difficult book full of all kinds of amazing doctrines. And uh, today I want to uh, look, the scriptures that I'm going to be talking about when we get going are Romans 8, verses 31 through 32. Okay, but um, just for kind of an overview of the whole book, because his, uh, Paul wrote the book addressed to Roman Christians, the main theme in the book of Romans is God's plan of salvation. Justification by faith in Christ and after our sanctification, which is kind of a slick Bible word for our separation from what we used to be and our separation to God. So we're separate from what we used to be. I'm not what I used to be before Christ. And all things are new as it says there. In Romans 3.23, he says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. In Romans 6.23, he says that the wages of sin is death. So the payoff of sin is ultimate death. But the free gift of God, he says, is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Romans 5.8, Paul says, that God demonstrates His love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Which is amazing. And we're going to be probably kind of going back to that a little bit today in our text. And consider that, that while we were still sinning, and that's my testimony, I wasn't screwed up that I needed God. Everything was going fine in my life. So I thought. And when I wasn't looking for Him, He was looking for me. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 10 Chapter uh, verses 9 through 10 says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, 
you will be saved. For with the heart, a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth, he confesses, resulting in salvation. Good news is that there's a way out. And the last one, Romans 5.1, it says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus. So a good part of the book of Romans is our journey before we knew Christ to the point that we come to realize that we are sinners in need of a Savior. Right? We'll be talking about that today, that that's what Christmas is all about. Is that the Savior does come. And after, and this is where we are in Romans 8, and if you know Romans, I read Romans 7 all the way through. What happens after you become a Christian and the Lord changes your heart, you realize that you're not bound by sin anymore, but sin still raises its head. Romans 7 is is an, an interesting chapter that he says that the things that he doesn't want to do as a Christian, sometimes he finds himself still doing them. And the things that he does want to do, sometimes it's a challenge and it's difficult. Right? And there was, he brings up that dilemma in chapter 7. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me? from this bondage of my flesh. And the whole tension there is the spirit and the flesh are kind of at battle after we become Christians. Okay, and I know that we know all of that. That we're trying. And that's the point where if you're a Christian, that we're in. What I want to cover today in this, and I'm going to read first in Romans 8. Let's take a look at that. Verse 31 and 32. He says here, What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not spare His own Son, but delivered Him over for us all, how will He not also give us all things? Wasn't, what an amazing set of Scriptures. Now what I want to cover today is our present. So presently, this morning as we read, God is for us. Today, right now. Interesting in my um, goings about that I come across Christians this week, someone that was really discouraged and doubting. And even outside, I was talking to somebody and I was telling them this, that they said, what are you going to talk about today? And I brought this Scripture up. If God is for us, who can be against us? And they brought up rightly that, well, the devil can be against us. But interesting, in my, one of my commentaries, they were saying, which I agree, that the devil gets more credit than he deserves. And the devil isn't the equal to God. They're not on equal standing. God wins. God is God, and the devil is a fallen angel. And we don't want to give him, especially in our Christian walk, more credit and more due to him. 
And that's what it says here, that if God is for us, no one can be against us. Okay? Let's look. I'm going to read because uh, this morning I'm reading this whole thing again. And I want to read again, starting from verse 28. And if you really want your homework, when you go home, this is what I want you to do today. is to read all of chapter 8 in Romans. Okay, read it all. But starting from verse 28, I'm going to read it again. He says, And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to become conformed to the image of His Son, so that He would be the firstborn among many brethren. And these whom He predestined, He also called. And these whom He called, He also justified. And these whom He justified, He also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not spare His own Son, but delivered Him over for us all, how will He not also with Him freely give us all things? So three points that I'm going to make today. One, our present Situation, if you're a Christian, if you've accepted the Lord into your heart and you're living for Him, that in our present situation, God is for us. Then we're going to look, number two, that in our past, everybody's past, but especially ours who are believers, that God proved it by sending His Son, Jesus, for our salvation. And thirdly, for our future He says here that He will provide all things that will help in our walk with Him. Now chapter 8 is an amazing thing there as I read from verse um, 28. But even before that, chapter 8 in verse 1, it says, There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What an awesome scripture. There is no condemnation. But, sometimes, and I've met people, and I've been under that too, sometimes as Christians, that condemnation, we accept it. This scripture says that there is none. And another version says, there is now not even one bit of condemnation to those who are in Christ. Romans 8.16 says that the Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs. So God's Spirit, and interesting enough, let me point out in this chapter that the Holy Spirit is mentioned 19 times in chapter 8. 19 times. And this morning... I think what I want to do is all the pointing goes towards God. That I want to stress that in this chapter you take notice of all that God has done for us. Just in Romans chapter 8. Romans 8.26 as we read, 
um, or we didn't read, but I'm going to read now. The Spirit also helps with our weaknesses, for the Spirit Himself intercedes for us. And what we did read, 28, we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God and those who are called according to His purpose. God is the one throughout this chapter that He's the one that's doing. He's the one that's doing it. He's saving throughout the whole book of Romans. You can actually see that, that He's the one that made it all happen. We respond to that, to what God has done. And He's covered all the bases. So He says in verse 31, What shall we say of these things? The things that He just went through. All those amazing Scriptures. That He says, If God is for us, who is against us? And our present provision is that God is for us. And he's not. He's asking a question here, but it isn't a question like if. Like, I hope God is for us. It's a statement that God is for us. If He is for us, who can oppose us? And the devil throws his tricks there, and even we fall for them. In view of the fact that God is for us, no one can prevail against us. God wins in the end. And I, the Scriptures say that He is the author and the finisher of our faith. I'm thankful for that. That the work that He has started in our life, He's going to finish. That's what the Word says. That He's going to finish it. He is making a statement that in light of everything he just explained, it shows for certainty that God is for us. And we don't have to fear otherwise. And as I was writing this, I was going, man, you know, possibly out there. That maybe this is a word for you this morning, some of these scriptures. That this is something that you need to hear and something that you need to stand on. If you belong to Him, do you know that God is for you? If you belong to Him. If you don't know Christ, do you know that God is for you? Now, I went through that whole Romans Road thing. If you haven't made that commitment to Christ, that the book of Romans lays out so clearly that today the Bible says is the day of salvation. And even before we were Christians, God is for you. And part of the way He's for you is to lead you to that point where you see your need for Him. If you are living in spiritual defeat or in doubt, do you know that God is for you? If there is someone who is against you because you are a Christian, God is for you. Some of what's in this chapter that he talks about is the sufferings. Okay, you're a Christian and God is for you, but hard times still come. People still oppose you. 
But God is for you. And He's going to bring you through each one of those things. Are you going through some serious time of trial? We read there that God is for you. Verse 32 says here that He did not spare His own Son, but delivered Him over for us all. So He's saying if God is for us, who can be against us? And the example, the past provision from God, is that He has proved that He is for us by sending His Son. The greatest evidence that God is for us is God sending His Son for our salvation. The book of Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 6, it says, But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, under the law, so that He might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So in the fullness of time, the New Living Translation says, but when the right time came, God sent His Son. And this is the Christmas story. I was kind of thinking like, okay, look, it's ten days till Christmas. Right? I don't know. It, when you get older, doesn't it seem, how many guys feel like, Christmas is just like racing up. Next thing you know, it's like in 10 days is Christmas. And it doesn't maybe hold the same you know, feeling from when we were kids. But no less important that as we come upon Christmas that we're considering what it's all about. And it says here, and that's why I chose these Scriptures here, because God did not spare, literally, that He did not withhold His Son. And at the right time, which I love that Scripture, at the right time, a certain time that God knew that this is the time for the Savior to go into the world. 1 John chapter 3, verse 5, it says that you know that He appeared in order to take away sins. That's why Jesus came. That He was born as a baby in the town of Bethlehem in a whole story. And maybe sometimes it happens over all the years, however many years that we've been around. We've heard the story over and over and over and over and over and over in so many ways. That it kind of doesn't hold that weight. And this really made me consider this whole thing. To consider the real, you know, what Christmas is all about. That it's the birth of our Savior. And not just our Savior, it's the birth of the Savior of the whole world. That He was born for that purpose. He was sent concerning sin. 
And another guy said that he came to do something about sin. What an amazing thing. In that those of us that are Christians, man, we should be most excited about Christmas. Most excited. That was for our salvation. John chapter 3, verses 16 to 18. It says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through Him. He who believes in Him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. God is for us. And God loved the world so much that He sent His Son to make the way for us to be saved. Let's look in Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 23. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as followed. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man, and now wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus for He will save His people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call His name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. You shall call His name Jesus, for He will save His people from their sins. And also they shall call His name Emmanuel, which is translated, God with us. God with us. Think about that. That God came to be with us, so He could save us. In our uh, book, this is the book that we read the men read in our last home group. And uh, I want to read this story here that kind of applies to this. And he says, uh, I remember sitting outside a Buddhist temple in Indonesia. Men and women filled the elaborate, colorful temple grounds where they daily performed their re religious rituals. Meanwhile, I was engaged in a conversation with a Buddhist leader and a Muslim leader in a particular community. They were discussing how all religions are fundamentally the same and only superficially different. We have different views about small issues, one of them said, but when it comes down to essential issues, each of 
our religions is the same. I listened for a while and they then asked me what I thought. I said, it sounds as though you both picture God, or whatever you call God, at the top of a mountain. It seems as if you believe that we are all at the bottom of the mountain, and I may take one route up the mountain, you may take another, and in the end, we all end up in the same place. They smiled as I spoke. Happily, they replied, exactly, you understand. Then I leaned in and said, now let me ask you a question. What would you think if I told you that God at the top of the mountain actually came down to where we are? What if I told you that God doesn't wait for people to find their way to Him? Instead, He comes to us. They thought for a moment and then responded, that would be great. I replied, let me introduce you to Jesus. And he says, this is the gospel. And that is the Christmas story. Is that God came down to us. As a baby at first. And grew up. And that's the story. And that's what we're heading towards. Celebrating was that very thing. That God came to us. He sent His Son. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, I think it is. Well, let me look. I'm going to read this whole section. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 10. I hope that... Uh, there's now like a ton of Scriptures for you. 4 through 10. But God, being rich in mercy, because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with Him, and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of His grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Verse 10, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now all these scriptures specifically mainly points to what? What God has done for us. Sometimes we forget. Sometimes we don't live up to what God has done for us and where we are. I, I could have read Ephesians chapter 1. That all that He did for us, it's amazing to look at those scriptures. In our helpless state, He cared for us and made provision for our salvation. 1 John chapter 4. It says that God showed how much He loved us by sending His one and only Son 
into this world so that we might have eternal life through Him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as a sacrifice to take away sins. Now is that good news? That's good news. And I hope that, you know, as a reminder for us, heading into this week and next week, as we're going to be here for Christmas Eve, that we consider all of those things. That we are saved because of Jesus. And this celebration, Christmas time, is all because of that. And more than anybody else, we should be celebrating. Lastly, he says here in uh, Romans 32, the second part, right? That if He did not withhold His Son, verse 32, how will He not also with Him, or with Jesus, freely give us all things? So he's saying, look, God didn't hold back the most important thing. Why would He hold anything back to us after? That He's going to continue. And the third point is into our future. Our provision. That God provides before in sending Christ. God provides presently that God is for us right here and now today, and in our future, going into our future, that God provides all things. Let's look in Second Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Seeing that His divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness, through the true knowledge of Him who called us, by His own glory and excellence. For by these He has granted to us precious and magnificent promises, so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. Okay, he says that He granted us everything pertaining to life and godliness. So these Scriptures, and there might be somebody out there that's panicking, thinking that, yeah, but what about our... we got to do something about it. Right? And that's what he's saying here, that in this Scripture, in Second Peter, he's not saying that, okay, whatever you want, that he's the big Santa in the sky, and this is what I want. That by God's grace and by God's goodness... He gives us what He knows is good for us. I can tell you that when my kids were young, and even when they got older, and even probably even till this day, they want ice cream for breakfast. Right? So as a parent, I give them what's good for them. Not always what they want. And by the grace of God, that our God does that too. And we have all those things, all those promises, all those things that God provides for what? 
pertaining to life and godliness. All those things are available to us. Philippians chapter 4, verse 19 says, And my God will supply all your needs according to His riches in glory in Christ Jesus. He will supply all our needs, what He knows, because He's a loving Father. And sometimes He doesn't. What happens if He doesn't provide what we think we want? I'm so grateful that God doesn't give me all that I think that I want. And over all these years, I can tell you that I've come more than not to trust that the Lord knows what's best for me. And that's my prayer. Lord, You know. Because He knows me better than I know myself. And I don't want Him to give me something that He knows that I can't handle or isn't good for me. And, and we can trust in Him. But, all those things are there available to us, but we have to walk in His provision. We have to apply it. We have to appropriate it in our lives. Are we walking in those things today? Those things are available. It made me think about Ephesians chapter 1. The blank check from God. That we have so much that the Lord has promised. and so much help through the Spirit. But we have to walk in each one of those things. And we need to keep our focus on Him and not get distracted. Are we walking in victory? In His victory? All those things are available. And sometimes we get under... Sometimes maybe we're defeated. We start listening to what the devil says or our flesh gets the better of us at certain times. But that victory is available to each one of us. In conclusion, God is for us right now and no one will overcome us. He proved it by sending His Son Jesus to be our Savior. And actually the Savior of the whole world. And somebody here might be in that position where you haven't taken that into your life. You haven't asked the Lord to come into your heart. You haven't given your life over to Him. Submitted to Him. Today is that day. And lastly, His care extends beyond our salvation in that He provides all we need to live a life that is pleasing to Him. And that's our goal. It's not just to live in victory, but to live in victory for the glory of God. I want to close. Let's finish off this chapter in Romans 8. Because really good scriptures here. Uh, Romans 8. Uh, 37 through 39. Paul writes, But in all these things we are overwhelmingly conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, 
nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 8, some awesome scriptures. You don't have to live in defeat. You don't have to live in doubt if you're a Christian. But you do need to go to Christ. You do need to walk in the Spirit. Let's pray. Lord, we do thank You for these Scriptures here. Scriptures of promise. Lord, and I do ask that this morning, if there's anyone out there that is discouraged or doubting or fearful, Lord, any Christian that has been you know, giving in to sin or giving in to the devil, Lord, I do pray that this morning as we read just a few of Your promises, that they would stand on Your promises, that they would allow You to work in their lives. And You would lift them up. Lord, if there's anybody here that doesn't know You this morning, Lord, that this day would be the day of salvation, that they would not put it off any longer. Lord, and that they would commit their hearts to You. We do ask this morning that You would search each one of our hearts. Lord, that You would tell us the truth about ourselves. Lord, and that we would humble ourselves before You, come into Your presence, and get help. Lord, we know that You are for us. Lord, and that You've set everything up so that we can succeed and bring You glory. Lord, and we do ask that as we enter into worship right now, Lord, that our focus and our attention would be upon You and who You are. Lord, that our hearts would go out to worship You because You are worthy for all that You've done and all that You're going to do. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd like to know more about our ministry here at The Mission, visit us online at www.themissionnorthshore.org. Thanks for listening and God bless.